had the contract signed and then um, basically before, once I'd resigned from my old job and was about to accept the new one, I got diagnosed with a brain tumour. Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade, helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Alrighty, we've got Josh Waddington, kind of from Blue Dog, mate, but you're here as yourself. Um, you have your own identity, yep. I'm guessing. So, mate, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I almost believe you, mate. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe you've been strong-armed into this a little bit. I might have pushed. I think I, I made the promise at the work Christmas party. Yeah. I was a few days, and then I was like, oh, okay. So... I've got to honour that one. Always, but, um, always a bad idea, mate, when Coxie's around. She's strong-armed <laughs> yeah. you into it. Yeah. If it makes cool, you feel any better, there's like another four or five of you to come after you. You're just the first one. Yeah, yeah. And then that's only the sure. beginning of the list. She stitched a whole bunch of you I up, really mate. did. <laughs> I only went there to, to <laughs> find podcast guests. Is that like the Black no. Widow or something? No, no, no. Anyway. <laughs> Not a spider. So, uh, Josh, uh, enough garbage from us, mate. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for your time on a Friday afternoon. I'm sure you've got way less exciting things to be doing than this. <laughs> mate, uh, can you tell our listeners, um, I guess, like we usually say, so tell our listeners a bit about yourself, um, but okay. often our guests are representing their business or a particular like techie thing that we're going to talk about with SEO or anything, but... Today is, is more of a, well, it's a real tradies episode. Um, you've got an interesting backstory, at least according to the version that Coxie told me. Uh, so, <laughs> the one so, told with alcohol. But no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, mate, can you sort of go back in time a little bit and uh, set the scene for our listeners about about who is Josh? Okay. So, um, basically, I'm a chip. Well, first off, I'm a, I'm a carpenter, um, and, and that's what I sort of... Um, yeah, that's what I, I trained as originally. And throughout, you know, my career, I've worked uh, all over the place. I've done everything from um, building houses, running my own projects, working as a site foreman. Uh, I worked in the Pacific um, on a project that I can't really talk too much about because of the nature, but you've heard about it in the news. Um, and I was over there for a while. Um, had some issues, which we'll probably talk about in the course of the show. This is what I told um, Coxie about when I was speaking on at the Christmas party. And um, basically ended up here at Blue Dog Training as a training manager, um, working with apprentice carpenters and also doing some work around QBCC licensing um, as well. So that's pretty uh, pretty compressed, but is that sort of what you're after? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's very compressed, so, Josh. I'm, I'm interested, Josh, how did you get into the trades? All right. So basically when I was in high school, um, I started working in an engineering lab on the school holidays uh, and weekends. I was doing like geotech um, sort of grunt work. Um, so working on foundations and I kind of really enjoyed that. Started doing a bit of scaffolding rigging um, weekends and school holidays again. And then when it came to the end of year 12, I was like, don't really want to go to uni. So um, had a look around, sort of thought carpentry is probably the best, the most varied trade and um, jumped into that. And yeah, went from there. 
basically. What What was the attitude like around becoming a tradie? Like, because Coxie and I talk about on the show a bit, and and a lot of our guests talk about. Uh, I guess the state of trades in Australia and, and whether it's seen as a viable option or if it's like a second choice or even a third or a fourth choice for people. So just, you know, anytime we talk to a tradie now, I'm always keen to find out what was the attitude around it when you went into the trades? Well, like generally speaking, everyone that I spoke to was, was quite supportive. Um, obviously, I, I went to quite an academically... Um, motivated school so uh they they weren't real happy about it but you know hmm. they don't have to live with the decision and the hex debt so Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yep. for me it was like a lifestyle choice you know i enjoy work with my hands um the, you get interesting people you know but also that satisfaction of kind of um doing a job and then being able to step back and be like oh man i, I built that mm. or, you know I, I contributed to that and over the years i've worked on like bridge projects tunnels um infrastructure all sorts of things and just be able to look back and be like, oh, look, I've, I built a hospital that I was later treated in sort of thing um, was, was spectacular. But as far as it goes, everyone was supportive. And honestly, if I had my time over, I, I definitely wouldn't change anything. I think it was a fantastic decision. And um, I think it's great that that now people like yourselves are sort of bringing light to, you know, it is a, it's not only a viable alternative to university, but for some people it can be better, um, you know, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's awesome. So good on you. And That's a damn good answer. I like that answer. Nice work, mate. Do you want a job on the show? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and that's the thing. It's it's not that it's an alternative to university. It's one of the alternatives coming out of school. Yes. You know, yeah. it's not it's not like oh, you didn't get a high enough OP for uni. Well, go be a tradie. It's like you got an OP of one. Go be a tradie. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, go do what you want to freaking do. All right. So um, it's pretty interesting getting a lot of guys now, as I said, university graduates coming through um, and a lot of them have gone and done construction management degree and they've sort of gone out and, and found job placement or got into a graduate program, been chained to a desk for 10 to 12 hours a day as a CA with a mid-tier builder fighting with subbies over money and they've gone, Look, I don't want to do this. So they have gone and picked up carpentry apprenticeships and most of them love it, you know, and they, they have that in their back pocket for when they, they get their trade, you know, and they want to look at licensing. Mm. They've got their degree there, but like a lot of them are like, oh, this is fantastic. Mm. So, and that's, that's becoming like quite common. A lot of university graduates and a lot of people from sort of other professions are, are jumping into apprenticeships, which I think is awesome. It is awesome. It's really exciting to see the trades getting such a positive rap. And like Warwick was saying earlier, and you're agreeing with Josh, there are alternate streams you can do after school. It's not go to uni or if you don't fit in uni, you can be a tradie. It doesn't yeah. even stop there. There's many, many more. But we're obviously talking about tradies today. Mm. And to know that suddenly you can walk into an apprenticeship and be making real money immediately rather than racking up a hex debt for something that you mm. might not actually even enjoy. The amount of people I, sp- I speak to who say that they went to uni and they didn't enjoy uni. Now they've got this massive debt for no reason. Me. Where I hated it. <laughs> what they really wanted to do, if they were true to themselves, was something with their hands. Yep. Because that fits for them. It's what is comfortable for them. Or they wanted yep. to go out and try sales or try something different mm. rather than going to uni because it doesn't fit for everyone. But you know what? Trades don't fit for everyone, but there's a whole section of the community that it does fit for and we all need to start to learn and remember and understand. Not so long ago, back in our father's time, it, trades was a natural progression. It was a good thing. It was a positive thing. And somewhere along the way, we lost that and we've become this, 
I guess, society that's looking for everyone to have a university degree, but it doesn't yeah. suit everybody. and be everybody. able to code or something. Yes. Like, it, it, we don't necessarily need more skills in that area, but the world needs more trades. You know, we look mm. at Australia, we have, oh, I get sick of hearing about the term skills shortage, but the reality is, you know, the government is, is about to spend money sending a celebrity tradesperson around to encourage kids to actually go look at the trades as they leave school. So, you know, clearly we have a shortage there and obviously organisations and people like you, Josh, uh, are a big part of that solution. Uh, Mate, I want to go back to something you said and and, um, it's a good little segue, I suspect, into some of your personal story. You said about building a hospital that you ended up uh, being treated in. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that, mate? Okay, so um, I don't know how appropriate this is going to be for the show, but I spent um, I spent a number of years working in North Queensland, um, on Central Queensland, in the sort of early to 2010s, and um, there was when the mining boom was on, so it was uh, it was it was pretty hectic. Like um, and places like Mackay, where I spent a fair bit of time, um, were pretty rough and tumble. And so I was working on the base hospital project up there and um, I was I was in the, the structures. So um, we were doing form work for the suspended slabs, columns, mm-hmm. beams, all that sort of stuff. And um, I sort of finished up um, with a with a job. And normally, so th- I think I was talking to Nicole about this, but um, normally you would have, when you're on those jobs, you have um, SIPs or construction income protection um something i don't know the full acronym which mm. isn't great but <laughs> so i resigned from um that job and went out and had uh celebration drinks with um one of my co-workers and like being that it was mckay it was a bit sort of rough um I, like there was a an altercation i guess on the um on this like sort of street near one of the pubs and the sort of ended in me getting stabbed um in the back uh by a, a widow um, on a Monday or Tuesday night at wow. about eleven o'clock, and so um, I had a, line, a job lined up that I was I was going to go um, do some mining construction, um, but obviously uh, going to the hospital in an ambulance with blood in my lungs and a stab wound um, put Jeez, a pretty mate. quick stop to that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you weren't and part that of I, that um, altercation, mate. Were you just like a unfortunate bystander, was, or it was. I don't know. It was a weird one. I was I was a fair bit younger back then, and, and he'd followed us down the road, and he was out oh, looking yeah. for sort of trouble, and yeah, and yeah. you know we'd had a few drinks, and, and I was like, well, yeah. So, um, so Jeez, yeah, mate. it was pretty shocking. I was very lucky, um, but also it was a bit of a reality check for me because as I'd resigned from the job that I was working on, I wasn't covered by my income protection, mm. so. Um, Fortunately, it was a quick recovery. It wasn't too serious, but it basically meant that I was, um, you know, I was probably missed out on um, 12 to 12 to like maybe 15 weeks worth of um, income. Mm. Um, just and and had had it, had I have like been a bit more aware or organised, um, income protection didn't rely on my on my employment. Uh, wasn't linked to my job. Um, I would have. I would have been all right. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was sort of it's one of them. pretty freaky, mate. Yeah, but um, I didn't learn my lesson either. So, um, <laughs> like any a good trading, later, mate. <laughs> <laughs> a 
I was working um, I was working on a job in the Pacific. Uh, the one that I mentioned, you know, had been sort of covered in the news fairly frequently and I was leading a team of, of blokes. We were doing special projects. Um, it was really fascinating, like great experience, but it wasn't for me. Mm. Um, I, I learned a lot. I got to work with some amazing people, see a part of the world that a lot of people don't get to see. Um, but at the same time too, I hate FIFO work. So mm. I teed up a job um career development role with a with an excellent Brisbane-based contractor that um, I, I believe were like one of the, the pioneers in the design and construct sector. Mm-hmm. And um, I had all that lined up. I had negotiated, you know, everything was, was ready to slip into the role, had the contract signed. And then um, basically before, once I'd resigned from my old job and was about to accept the new one, I got diagnosed with a brain tumour. Mm-hmm. And um, same again, as I'd resigned from my job, um, I wasn't eligible. I didn't have any income protection. And so that one actually ran for nearly two years. Wow. Um, so it was, it ended up being a, a um, as far as they go, like quite a good one. Um, but <laughs> it was a good brain stream. It was, it was probably, it was the second best brain tumor I'm led to believe. Um, Jeez, and man. I had surgery uh, and I had it all removed and stuff. Um, but it, it, uh, if I had have been properly insured and I had have been a little bit more aware, mm. things would have been um, very, very different because that was one of those ones where um, it was really uncertain. So I didn't know when they told me I had a brain tumor when we found it. They don't say, oh, you've got a brain tumor. It's not cancerous. It's benign. Yeah, It'll yeah. probably be easy they sort of go oh there's something there so your head just goes oh man i'm screwed yep um so yeah that was that was my second time round. and the worst part about it is is that since that's happened it's now difficult for me to actually get income protection insurance of course yeah Yeah. yep pre-existing conditions stuff yeah how old were you when you got diagnosed with the brain tumor mate that was in mid 2015 so I think, sorry, oh, it's Friday afternoon and my math is good. <laughs> but, um, Subtract four but, from your age. Yeah, so uh, that would be when I was um, 27. Yeah, okay. So wow. similar age to a lot of young tradies, you know, lots with yep. families that we know of. Uh, yep. d- did you have commitments and stuff, mate? Like how did you get through that period? So um, it, was, it was really challenging. So basically burned up savings and uh, there was times where I was – like I did have to receive assist, like government assistance, um, but um, I like when when I wasn't, you know, I was still still able to work, but not post surgery um, for a while. So when I wasn't, I was doing my own little jobs and stuff, and and running small projects, and I had a few mm. things to keep me going. But it was generally positive, but really uncertain. So I was just like, um, yeah, it was. Looking back on it, I was really fortunate, but at the same time too, I was just organised chaos basically. Like mm. I didn't know, you know, um, yeah. what I was doing. And I'd had a friend who who had a similar diagnosis, but his didn't go that way, my way, a good yeah. way. Uh, so and he passed away. So straight away, that's where my head went. So oh, of um, course, that's so, terrible, yeah. Josh. Jeez, mate. Well, I, I can only begin to imagine how terrifying that must have been, especially as a twenty-seven-year-old. You're at the prime of your life, in inverted commas, and um, you're delivered 
this terrible mm. diagnosis or what feels like it, well, it's terrible regardless, but it's certainly, like you say, your head goes to worst case scenario immediately. I don't think yeah. it would matter who you were or what your experience level with it is. We always go worst case scenario. Yeah. And somehow then with no insurance, you need to get through that period of time, hopefully in a positive way as you have and you've come through and mm. you're in a great position now, but. Holy moly! <laughs> <laughs> it was it was definitely um, it was definitely interesting. Um, <laughs> interesting, I love it. <laughs> I, I love I love how uh, I guess a lot of guys do this, but you know, a lot of the people in our community they sort of just go, yeah, it was it was, it was a bit a bit of a challenging time, and it's like a bit of a challenging time. Interesting, shit, man. Like, how did you how did you manage the the I guess psychological side of all of that. I mean, the financial side must have been tough, and you and you've mentioned a bit of that. But how did you cope with you know having that news and the disruption to your life and just that uncertainty about the future that you mentioned? I think it from an outside perspective, it seems it seems difficult and it seems you know um, like. But when that happens, you don't really have a, a choice. You've you've faced with that reality and you've sort of just got to run with it. And and I guess you know. Getting, getting too worked up and, and losing your cool doesn't really help you. So there was definitely times where I was like, initially I was just sort of like numb. I was like, oh, man, like mm. this sucks. I, I have so many things I want to do. Like, um, but the more, I guess, I guess fortunate that we live in a country that's got such a phenomenal health system and like medicine is just amazing. So I had always had that hope um, and that optimism, um, but it was – yeah, it was, it was pretty scary, but you don't really have a choice. You kind of just have to go, okay, well, this is, this is what I've got uh, and I just have to sort of roll with it. Mm. So. I'm blown away. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I could just roll with it. I think I'd be sobbing on the floor having a tantrum Meltdown thinking mode. why me and just yeah, yeah, yeah. sucking yep. it up. But that's not yep. you, Josh, is it? I'm um, intrigued. Now, I obviously know quite a bit of your story because my husband and you work together, particularly at the moment where you're doing a lot of work on um, the Certificate 4 that Blue Dog offers. But I'm intrigued to share with our listeners how you came to be doing what you're doing now with Blue Dog because I think as we, as we were talking about before we went to air, it's really important for tradies to understand that there is this huge support network for tradies who are working behind the scenes that they never get to see or they don't really think yep. about. And the truth is they can't. you can't have a builder unless you get a certificate for. So yep. you, the, the role that you guys play is actually a really integral part of the industry, same as when you're a carpentry trainer or all of the things that your office does, they're really important um, in regards to keeping our tradies qualified and where they need to be. So I'm really keen to share your story and how you came to be where you are now. Cool. All right. Um, so that that kind of, I guess, part of the, that whole brain tumour thing, uh, the positive, the upside of it was, was it pretty much led me to actually working here at Blue Dog. And um, in my recovery, when I was recovering from surgery, uh I was losing my mind. I was so bored and I ended up um, volunteering at a special school where I lived on the Gold Coast and I went there and I volunteered for a few days and um, they were just like, okay, you work here now. And they put me on <laughs> as, a, as a teacher's aide and it put me so far out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. It was one of the best experiences of my life, like working there. Uh, got challenged, learnt so much, got bitten a couple of times, like, but <laughs> Again, would totally do it all again. And then it sort of made me reevaluate, I guess, 
my health has been fantastic since the surgery, but I haven't really got that resilience where being out in the sun all day is yes. is necessarily good for me. Um, I, I tend to get a bit crook and a bit un- unwell. I So I sort of, and, and working with people, I sort of realised like, you know, I love working with people. I love I love helping people and the industry that I've sort of grown up with that I, that I got into and I stuck with because, you know, I, I love it. Like I love, you know, I, I'm a bit of a nerd for like building stuff and, and so I started looking at, you know, different avenues to, to engage with, with the industry and, and stick with my trade because, you know, I have without, you know, blowing my own horn or anything, but I've been able to learn and, and be exposed to every every inch of the industry almost, you know, in Australia, overseas, um, right through from, you know, small reno jobs up to multi-billion dollar infrastructure projects. Mm. So I love construction. I love the industry and I sort of wanted to be a part of that. And um, when the opportunity with Blue Dog came up and they sort of told me about the organisation and, and their methodology, how they actually train their apprentices, it sort of, it was it was so good. I was, I was like really shocked. But more than that, I probably wouldn't have gone and worked for a traditional RTO. Um, so when I was talking to them and actually I ended up, having a bit of a health like flare up I had some migraines um and the director was a bit sus on me because I had a big gap on my resume and I was sitting in there and they brought me in for a second interview so I'm sitting across from um the, one of the directors of Blue Dog Training he's like mate you brought in for the second interview because you've got a, a bit of a gap here um in your resume and you know you, you seem good on paper and stuff but where you know what's going on and I, I said to him I was like look man I, I won't I won't lie to you, like I, I had a brain tumour, but if you put that on your resume, you scare people off. <laughs> Absolutely. And he just sort of, yeah, and then he would just turn around, he's like, well, the the role that you've, you've interviewed for is, is going to be too stressful and it's not going to be ideal, but um, we want we want to bring you on and we'll sort of work around it. And, yeah, they did. They, you know, even though they knew that I they had some challenges in my health at that time, they, they brought me on and um, I've been just loving it ever since, you know. Um, I get to support support the industry. I get to help people, you know, get their trade quals, get the QBCC licenses, um, and it's it's fantastic. It's awesome, mate. It's it's still uh, boggling my brain that that whole story, like uh, you know, just getting through all of that and still still pushing hard. I suppose, mate, you, you're still a part of the industry, and uh, I mean, through your work, you're actually probably. A, affecting and improving more tradies lives than you were before so Mm. um i guess a lot of us say it as a throwaway line everything happens for a reason but i I, do do you you look at it that way josh or like how how do you sort of look back on all this now as you talk about it yeah yeah i mean i like like i said you know like i i honestly can't say that um I'm disillusioned with how anything went. Like I said, I, I basically got the best brain tumor, got treated in one of the best best hospitals in the world, um, and now I reckon I've got one of the best jobs in the world. You know, like um, I get to to help guys get their trade, get their their license. Like that's that's their meal ticket for life. And mm. uh, I know when I was an apprentice, like having access to to good mentors and and people who were interested in in sort of helping me and passing on good ideas made an immense difference to me. So that really that's what blue dogs all about where they're really outcome focused and and they really want to want to see their guys flourish so um for me that's just like you know it, it couldn't have couldn't have gone any better otherwise I, I probably would have ended up um as a as a site or a project manager with um with no hair uh, that <laughs> I, would, I would have pulled out all my hair yeah yeah and um yeah i'd probably be you know 
on site 12 to 14 hours a day and pretty miserable. Whereas now I just, I, I love my job and um, I love the people I work with, you know, and I love the industry. So it's, it's awesome. Um, which is a bit of a weird way to think about a brain tumor, but uh, it's <laughs> done me pretty well. So, yeah. So you, one of the things we've been talking about a lot in the last couple of weeks, Josh, on the podcast is how in the trades, there's no real collaboration. Like builder doesn't talk to builder and share ideas because you might pinch my ideas and you're not going to help me get further in my business. So, But what I find about what you guys are doing behind the scenes is you're actually encouraging that sharing and that collaboration and the mateship. Um, I, I find it to be obviously very strong in Blue Dog because clearly that's a big part of my life as well. But I do see that um, many trainers, not all of them, but many trainers are working really hard to bring people together and to create a more positive industry rather than it just being a bit dog eat dog. You know, when perhaps when my husband got his apprenticeship, he did it with his dad. So it's a little bit different. But often you'd sort of be tied into a workplace because you can't share those secrets anywhere. But it's not... Mm. I find it's not necessarily like that with kids anymore now, but we still don't have trades people sharing their ideas. Mm. Where you guys there as trainers are constantly sharing your ideas, you share templates, you share information, you share directions to work in or people to help them do something else in. It's a real collaboration. It's something that we're working really hard on here at Traders and Business is trying to get, you know, builder talking to builder and plumber talking to plumber and... Sparky talking to Sparky rather than us all sort of fighting against each other thinking there's not enough space for us all. It's something that you guys do really well. It's really encouraging. I wonder how if there was a mind um, set shift that you had to do to be able to encourage the guys that you work with to do that. Like, you know, the when you're giving the information to the kids – I say kids, they're not kids. <laughs> to me, everyone's a <laughs> they kid because they're you. younger than me. <laughs> but to the to – the, the, guys and girls that you are training and directing and, and helping find their way with, was it a shift for you to be giving that information all the time or do you think that shift actually came when you were working back at the school? So I guess um, because because I'd worked like both, I'd been an apprentice, I, I'd worked as like a, a, a tradie, an employee, a subcontractor and as a like a site foreman and in management roles, sort of having seen it from all angles, like you, you it's – it's best practice, I guess, for people to be cohesive and communicate and collaborate. So it's kind of organic that you go, okay, well, you know, if, if you've got your um, painters and your, your cabinet makers, um, for example, when you're doing like a, a high rise or something and they're not talking to each other and so the, the cabinet makers come in and install the, the kitchen joinery before the painters have been through, then the painters have to tape up and they don't want to do it. They want a site instruction, which the builder won't pay. And all of that came down to not, you know, not getting the two people to chat to each other and go, hey, mate, look, we're doing units, um, you know, one to four on, on level two this date. Um, so that that collaboration goes a long way um, towards making a better outcome in the industry, but also for mental health. Like when you're working with people that you get along with and people that you like, um, you know, and you can have a joke with, you're more likely to want to be at work. And, and sort of that's, at least personally, that's something that, you know, I, I put a bit of emphasis on and, um, I like, you know, what you guys are doing with, with that. And so, um, yeah, I, does that answer the question or do I go off on a tangent? No, 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 that's perfect. <laughs> uh, I want to jump in there and, and probably pick up on the culture thread that might run through that little conversation there. Uh, is uh, what do you think, 
I suppose, you know, from your perspective now, Josh, you've been a tradie on the tools and now, you know, I still think of you as a tradie. Um, you're now sort of working with trades and uh, people who are entering the trades. From that sort of almost uh, fortunate position of being a little outside of the the hustle and bustle of the on the tools stuff, what do you think are some of the changes that the industries could make to improve that culture and, you know, attract people. I, I talked at the start with you about people going into the trades. What are some of the ideas that you and perhaps the team there have about how to positively change all of this? I, I can only really speak myself. Um, I, I think, um, I think things, well, we, I don't know if you, I don't know if you're aware, but we had a uh, apprentice, L, L, Ellie Farrington. Um, she was nominated as apprentice of the year and I think she got runner up nationally. Um, she was one of our apprentices. So she was a, um, she's a female and she'd done, she'd studied, I think mathematics and was looking to do at university and was looking to do architecture and sort of decided that she wanted to, to do a trade and did the trade and killed it and was, you know, came runner up apprentice of the year. So, I think getting getting more inclusive and getting away from that sort of like um, you know oh blokes blokes do trades you know chicks work in the office sort of thing getting mm-hmm. getting more people in the industry um, and getting that variety I think is is a big step in the right direction um, I think um, there's a big emphasis on I guess like mental health and sustainability and I know when I um, worked like on site there was there was some issues with it, particularly with FIFO work. Um, I think people in the construction industry are overrepresented in, in suicide. And I know you've got mm. organisations like Mates in Construction that do a really fantastic job um, helping out with that. So I think generally it, it's moving in the right direction. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm, I've lost. I've lost my train of thought a little no, bit. All Sorry. Good. No, it's all okay. good. Well, yeah. um, what about the culture within? trade businesses i mean you've you've obviously worked for companies um probably bigger companies but uh just that general culture let me explain a bit better so one of the things about uh you know being employees is often there's good cultures in in businesses um and then some businesses just don't seem to have a very good culture you know there's a lot of blame and all that sort of stuff and i guess we hear a mix of stories at tradies in business but the media seems to like to run all this negative press about the trades, you know, and some of the behaviours and that sort of stuff. And whether or not there is an issue, I suppose, I just I just wonder if, you know, from guys like you, if you can see things that our listeners can be doing, you know, in their own businesses to positively impact the public perception. Um, you know, if there's changes you wish people would make as employers in particular. Yeah. Well, look, tradies are we're an easy target because um, you know the old line, oh, you know, overpaid sort of thing, um, high vis, you know, decked out larrikins, um, drinking, fighting, all that sort of stuff. And um, there is, I guess, the what's that? You know, a couple of the minority um, spoils it for the majority mm-hmm. in that, that regard. Yep. Overwhelmingly, with my experiences, I've come across a lot of really like really good um really positive sort of businesses people apprentices companies retention's a big thing um getting good people on board is hard and and once you've got someone on board keeping them there is really important 
And so businesses, workplaces, you know, um, that everyone's sort of understanding, okay, well, if I've got to, if I'm churning through guys, it's costing me money, not just in terms of money that I'm paying, but I'm also having to retrain these guys. Mm, So I think that sustainability um, is a big thing. People are more aware about burnout now, which Mm. um, I think is great. And like I was saying with those, those young guys that have done their uni degrees and, and, you know, burnt out and and come and started a trade. um, A lot of those guys come to the industry, you know, and they've, they've got that fantastic experience behind them of, of what, what else is out there. And they're a bit more appreciative of, you know, the ability to sort of, show up to their job, do a good job, you know, like walk away from it and be like, oh, I did that. Mm. Um, so I think it's, it's moving in the right direction. I just encourage, um, you know, just encourage people sort of be, be good to each other and, and you know, just um, sort of, I guess, yeah, I, I got a bit of advice when I started my apprenticeship was just like, don't lose your cool and um, didn't sort of, sort of sound like pretty simplistic advice, you know, um, but at the same time too, like it's probably the, the best bit of advice I got because um, at the end of the day, you know, you you just got to, um, I guess, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. I'm it's all right. It's all good, Friday. Mate. Friday afternoon. I, I've been doing it that all Friday. afternoon, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, I do that every time we record. Every day. It's just you at the end it's, of the day. I just talk shit. I was on the road me. today seeing apprentices, so I'm just, um, I've job. just been running and I'm a little bit, little bit cooked, but um, yeah, not yeah. like I'm a bit, bit overheated, but. Yeah, just um, I guess yeah, it's going in the right direction, and you know, I mean, we're we're pretty fortunate in Australia. We have like we have great, you know, we have great safety like laws, mm-hmm. and and you know, we have, um, I guess like a, a fairly healthy economy. So um, I, there's there's nothing I can really sort of add to that one, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. No, that's perfect. All good, mate. Just uh, always excited to get an actual tradesperson on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and unique expect- uh, perspective for you too, Josh, because now you're actually training people uh, either already in the trades or getting into them. Mm-hmm. Probably one yep. other thing I really wanted to ask about, and it's something that I think a lot of um, employers in, in the industry complain about this idea that they need to train ongoing, you know, it's like, oh, people are just going to leave and set up their own business in competition with me or, and it's the old adage about, you know, you can train them and they, and they leave or you can not train them and they stay. Um, I suppose from your experience, mate, uh, on the inside, uh, what sort of workplace training should employers be offering? What sort of stuff should they be doing with their people to, to uh, encourage them to, you know, stay with that business. Well, um, this isn't this isn't like a, a, a really great question, and this is an interesting one. And heads up, I'm going to give a bit of a plug to Construction <laughs> Skills Queensland. Great, um, <laughs> go for it, mate. So, CSQ, uh, they're an industry body. They're funded by the Portable Long Service Leave yep. Act. Big construction projects, they pay a percentage, and it goes into a fund. And, and they're they're not a government organisation; they're an industry body, and they're set up to provide funds to support the industry. Mm. So, if you're an eligible worker in Queensland, every year that you have access to tens of thousands of dollars of subsidised training from CSQ, that's high risk work licences, high level qualifications like the Cert Four, um, short courses like the managerial qualification, and all of that, like. There's no such thing as bad education. Um, it's it's amazing, like, the difference that it can make. You know, you think, like, oh, it's just a course or something. Like, it's not that cost prohibitive. If you're an employer, um, it, you know, you, you, 
it's tax deductible anyway and it's a good way to incentivize your employees but not only that you're making them more value that they, they're going to increase their skills they're going to be better for your business but people for people to know that 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 construction skills queensland is there that provides funding mm. it reduces the the you know the barrier of cost for, for businesses because they can they can get that subsidized training for their guys and they can get their guys trained up in the areas that they want them and it's incredibly generous there's guys out there that um you know that'll that'll have a heap of experience that they can get assessed and they can get a trade qualification so you might have a, a carpenter that does all their own concrete they can get you know their their concreting um concreting quality skills assessment and gap training done and and every year um you have access to that training so i i know it sounds a bit biased because i work for a training company <laughs> but i cannot I, I can't speak highly enough of like continuing development even for tradies and that was that was probably one of my only regrets was that I went so I, I figured yeah I've got my trade um, that's it you know I'm sorted yeah, now so yeah. there's there's just like I think that's that's actually a really good point you know like that that guys sort of get get to a point they're like yeah I've got my trade and and you know they sort of stop but there's no reason to stop like there's organisations out there like like Blue Dog that will work around you and make sure that you can that you can do your training in your own time. Um, you know, if you if you want to do face to face learning, there's face to face RTOs. But I think it's it's really important, you know, for everyone in the industry to continue their training. Um, just the benefits, are, yeah, I, I can't even sort of. <laughs> they can't be can't overstated, mate. No, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like a broken record sometimes talking to trade business owners. It's like you got to train your people, you know, train them in train them in how to fill out an invoice, how to use an iPad, yeah. not not yeah. just the skills specific to their occupation, but you know, train them on how to be great team members. Because yeah, they might leave, but they probably leave anyway because they don't think you care enough about them. And training is such an easy way to invest in your people and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money, like you're saying. You know, there's subsidies out there for some of it and for the rest of it, you know what? It's investing in the people who are making the most money for your damn business. That's right. And and look, there's there's a lot of research to show um, that, like learning, uh, they call it interleaving. And so when you're learning new things that aren't related to your sort of day-to-day job, it actually helps you become better at your what you're actually doing. So you might be doing, like you said, an administrative course or a computer mm. course or something, mm. uh, but it may have major parallels with your work. And so you're going to get that benefit of like, if you've got a learning culture in your workplace or, you know, for your employees, they're not only just going to be learning the course that you put them through, but it's going to get them into the headspace of like, oh, growth mindset, you know, it, the more I do this, the more I can sort of learn at work and, and it it just there's not there's really no downside to it to be honest. So yeah, yep. A guy I used to train with uh, at CrossFit years ago, he had this hashtag that he liked to use on everything, and I thought it was a bit wanky when I first saw it. But um, he used to hashtag everything that he did with KGB, and um, I asked him one day, I'm like, dude, what like what, what's the go with this KGB? Hashtag. I mean, if you're as old as me, you would know that it was the, I think, the German or, or Soviet uh, special police. police. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he's like, keep getting better, was. And oh, everything like he it. did, every lifting session, every coaching session, he's gone on to run his own uh, CrossFit gym and everything. But everything he does, he tags it with, keep getting better. And it's yeah. just, it only has to be 1% better or 2 mil better than last time. But it's just every time you touch something, just keep getting better, mm. and yep. and it's such, it's such a good mantra. 
Um, and training is such a, a key part of that. So it always, it does my head in and annoys the crap out of me, to be honest, the employers that complain about their staff and their attitude, but they won't do training with them on anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, like even on communication or how to freaking keep the ute clean. I mean, it's just, you got to train your people in that stuff and they value that. People like to learn. Yeah, definitely. And look, it's it's one of those things. I mean, if, if you've got someone that, you know, like if, if employer out there wants to have, have a try of it and, and say, look, I'll, I'll put him through a course, it might cost you a couple hundred bucks. And you know what, like, it's that's you know that's that's a, a night at the pub um yeah. but the benefits that come from that you'll see straight away you know you might go oh, okay well it hasn't hit the mark but if it works it's it's a pretty cheap sort of pretty cheap experiment and the, the benefits can be fantastic you know because it it shows people that they're valued but also it like it gives people the opportunity to improve mm-hmm. and um one of the managers here at blue dogs likes to say every day is a school day <laughs> and it's, it sounds silly but um you know like it, it really is true. Like, if you, as long as you remember that, you know, everyone's everyone's constantly learning, and um, you know, if you can facilitate that for, for your employees, that that comes back in in appreciation and, and loyalty. And mm. if someone bails, you know, and they've had a couple of hundred dollars or you know, a couple of thousand bucks worth of training under their belt, well, then you know, more for them because mm. they've just left an employer who who you know is is going to back them and um, develop their skills. So absolutely, totally. So, Josh, I want to ask a question, yes, but I think Cox has got to. one first. No, no, I was no, going to, no. because <laughs> I think Josh has already answered the question you're going to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mate, I, I just, I love to ask our guests uh, this question. And if you had a thousand tradies in a room, uh, you'd probably have your work cut out for you, mate, if that was a training <laughs> session. But if you had a thousand tradies in a room, what's one thing you would like to tell them or one piece of advice you'd like to leave them with? That's that's hard. Um because I can't think of anything and I know that at 11 o'clock tonight I'm going to be like, <laughs> I wish I'd said something cleverer. Leave us um, a voicemail and we'll edit it in for you, mate. <laughs> honestly, it depends, okay? So it depends for, and, and this is a, ch- a change that I'm seeing, that I'm, I'm glad to be seeing, but if it was young blokes, I'd be saying to them, um, the things that we, we kind of take for granted, so skin, UV, hearing, eye protection, those, and, and your back too. So, mm-hmm. so lifting safely um, and covering your skin up because the guy that I, one of the guys I did my apprenticeship with, um, he, I'm pretty sure he's passed away from skin cancer that, that went to his lungs. Um, and, and he had the, he'd, he'd, go, he'd go brown in the sun. It's one of those things that builds up over time. Mm-hmm. I've got tinnitus, so uh, my ears ring all day and all night and it drives me insane mm-hmm. and they, they will for the rest of my life because I was lax with hearing protection. Um, same with glasses, mm-hmm. you know, heights, guys climbing up scaffolds. So if I was talking to young blokes, I, that would be my main thing, would mm-hmm. be like take care of those um, yeah. because the rest of the stuff you'll learn. Mm-hmm. Um Older blokes or, you know, guys that have come out of their trade, like you said before, I'd be saying to them, like, don't get that certificate and stop learning. Keep upskilling, you know, for carpenters, get your managerial license course done so you can get your QBCC license, do your Cert 4 so you can get your builders, you know, mm. um, and, and go from there. Guys guys might end up, you know, getting mid-rise or open-rise license, building high-rises, building bridges, whatever, yep. but that training allows you to sort of progress with your career mm. and you don't get stale and stagnate. Mm. Um, so, 
I don't know. And 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 for older blokes, um, I don't know what I'd say to them. They, they probably wouldn't listen because I'm train your staff, <laughs> pay for the training yeah, for the young train, blokes. <laughs> train your staff, get get income protection insurance. Actually, yes. I tell, I'd probably tell that to everyone as well. That'd be um, the the underlying given, wouldn't it, mate? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you would think that after everything I've been through, that'd be my first thought. But um, no. So yeah, I I guess I'd just sort of get them to um, take more of an interest in their future selves and and look after themselves financially, health-wise, and, and I guess, you know, the gifts that they've got in terms of, the, you know, their, their back, their skin, their hearing, their, their eyesight, mm. and be a bit compassionate to themselves for the future because um, how we get a good industry is, you know, through sustainability and and if people aren't busting their backs and, and burning out, um, then those perceptions will go away because we'll get more women in the industry, you know, we'll get more diversity, and, and I think that that would be a really good thing. So... In, in summary, yeah, I'd, I'd get people to be a bit more compassionate about themselves and and maybe, you know, be a little bit more, like, open-minded to pulling people up and going, hey, man, like, chuck some sunscreen on or, um, you know, and and creating that sort of um, that culture in the industry where people are looking out for each other for those, those little things that make a big difference. It's damn good advice, Josh. I like it. Thank you. What does the future hold for you, Josh? What's next? Um... I don't know. I, I, I like I said, I, I love working here and um, I, I love learning. I, Adam, um, Adam Cox, is, like you said, I, I work quite closely with. I love, love working with him. He's fantastic um, and he has a wealth of knowledge. Every, everyone here, basically, uh, I love learning from. Um, I'll probably try and do some little side stuff, mm-hmm. but I, at the moment, I'm just, just really like loving my job and, and loving loving being able to support the industry and, and what I'm doing here. So I, I'm hoping to keep doing this for um, the foreseeable future and, and get better at it. Excellent. Awesome, mate. I love to hear someone say they love their job. That's, Isn't it great? That's brilliant. You've it's got two a, fantastic yeah. directors. And again, I'm very biased. Blue Dog's a very big part <laughs> they, of my life. But they are awesome. You've got, yeah. you've got a really great team there. It's a nice place to be. Awesome, mate. Well, look, uh, thanks so much for not only coming onto the podcast, Josh, but uh, for sharing so openly about uh, your past and your thoughts and, and um, even some of your challenges, mate. So I really appreciate your time. Um, no fantastic worries. to talk to you. And uh, I guess, you know, we should give a plug to Blue Dog for, for letting do. you sit in the office yeah. there and talk to us thanks, clowns. Guys. So uh, thanks to the gang at Blue Dog. You're uh, just the first of a whole string of Blue Dog <laughs> interviews we've got lined up. Yeah. Sorry, Daisy. They're, they're not official sponsors of the program no. yet. Well, come on, Daisy. <laughs> but, yeah, mate, um, look, all the best for the future. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we, we talk to you again down the track sometime. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. It's been – it's my first podcast has been great. So hey, another cherry it. popped. <laughs> Love it. Awesome, mate. Well, thanks again, Josh. Thanks, Josh. All right, guys. Happy Friday. Cheers. So, full disclosure, I did meet today's guest in a bar. <laughs> You've been now. Hang on. the The term for dudes is catfishing. Apparently, yeah, what but were you I didn't doing? Catfish. No, but I, what were you doing? That's not the way it works. Catfishing is you show a picture of yourself twenty years younger, and then you turn up and you're twenty kilos heavier. And blah blah blah. I was just as I was. So what do you what do you call it when Coxie goes into a bar scoping for talent <laughs> <laughs> at your husband's Christmas Cheating party, on no your less. <laughs> You weren't doing that. Let just clear that up. Okay? I wasn't cheating. But you did meet you did meet Josh in a bar. I did. And you guys got chatting and and we've got an awesome episode out of it. 
How interesting is Josh? Holy crap. I told you it was a cracking story. Stabbed in the back, brain tumors, no insurance, massive um, sidestep into what is essentially a completely different career. Yes. You know, from being a carpenter mm. um, and a project manager to now being a trainer, mm. which yeah, it's, got, it's, it's related, but they're very different skill sets. They're very different skill sets, but I guess the skill sets are transferable. Yeah. If anyone can yeah. do it. If my husband can do it anyway. <laughs> G'day, I Adam, you, if dude. you're listening, Builder. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed that chat. There's some good lessons in there. We, we probably covered a few bits of ground about training your team, uh, investing in the future of the industry and yourself, looking mm. after your body. And the underlying message in there is, for goodness sakes, get some insurance. If you don't have basic income protection, critical illness term and TPD, go talk to a broker. Um, this episode isn't brought to you by anyone in particular, but we have been chatting with the, the gang at Skylight Financial Services, mm-hmm. which is part of BusQ, um, so another fantastic Queensland organisation. Go the Queenslanders. Represent. Um, We're both New South Wales fans. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was born in New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm like a dual citizen. Bl- just, a blue and maroon. Okay, so I'm just always a bleed blue. That's it, forevermore. If, if you mix blue and maroon, what colour do you get? Brown. Don't know. brown. <laughs> Which state is brown? Western Australia. <laughs> Everywhere at the moment. The whole of Australia is freaking well, brown true. or black. And I shouldn't laugh. But uh, yeah, so thanks heaps to Josh for today. Um, and for Blue Dog for generously allowing him to spend some of his time with absolutely. us. Absolutely. So we're going to chat to some more of, uh, of Blue Dog's people. Uh, now, if you want to join any of the conversations with people like this, um, make sure you join the Tradies in Business group on Facebook. It is free. Uh, there's some fantastic stuff going on in there. There's almost 1,500 trade business owners uh, swapping notes, arguing with each other, having an opinion on everything. And uh, <laughs> Coxie and I jump in there and answer a few questions and uh, post some content that we hope is helpful to you. So if you haven't yet joined the group, go and do that. And if you want to get a piece of us, um, make sure you hit the website. Um, and I promised that from from now on, every episode I was going to say something, Coxie, but I can't remember what it was. I think it was that, just um, about our... We were talking about our stadium tour. Stadium tour for, for 2020. 2020 stadium uh, tour. So keep an eye out on, on the website and the Facebook group. Coxie and I are going to be doing a bit of a regional stadium tour of First Australia. First 7th of February. <laughs> so 7th of Feb in good old Briz, Vegas. Um, details coming at you soon. Whoop. And make sure that you keep an eye out for details on the Tradies in Business Excellence Awards, which Whoa. will be 10-10-2020. So the 10th of October next year, 2020. Uh, keep an eye out for the deets on that one and you can pick yourself up an award for a being gong. an awesome tradie in business. You can get a gong. Get a gong. All right, that's enough gongs from us. Uh, <laughs> have a fantastic day, whatever you're doing. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh. You've been listening to the Tradies in Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesinbusiness.com.au.